Good afternoon and welcome back to our midweek edition of our podcast for April 22nd, 2020. And what a mighty God we serve. I'm so very thankful for Almighty God who blesses us with His presence in these days of uncertainty and COVID-19. I've been kind of camping out lately in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7 and 8, which says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose trust is the Lord, for he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green and it will not be anxious in a year of drought nor cease to yield fruit. See, I hope that during these days of COVID-19 that that you're practicing good hygiene and social distancing and staying safe. You know, at Memorial, we are hoping to be able to begin worshiping together uh, as soon as we can after Governor Abbott uh, opens things back up. However, it may take some extra time after Uh, an announcement by government officials before we can gather safely as a corporate body. Just because the governor says it's okay to begin meeting doesn't mean that two days later we'll be able to open up for church. The safety of all of our members and family are a priority for us. During this pandemic and our our time of shutdown, it's given us pause, um, me and our entire uh, NBC staff, Uh, pause to think about some of the things that we have been doing and how some of these practices may look different in the future. With safety and the spread of contagious germs at the forefront of everyone's minds, let me drop a few helpful ideas that will help us as we try to get back to worshiping together. First, I would say, you know, public handshaking and and hugging, Uh, although I enjoy those, uh, they should be very limited if not done away with completely as a cultural norm. I mean, it may also create social awkwardness if we're trying to shake hands or hug people for those who are cautious about spreading this contagion. Secondly, I would say things like Passing the offering plate may become a discontinued practice. I'm not sure that I want to be the hundredth person to touch the offering plate on a Sunday morning. So our offering time may look somewhat different. Let's all continue to have a great attitude. And please work with us as we seek what is the best way to facilitate this and other practices so that we can keep our family as safe as possible. You know, our staff and leadership, we deeply desire to worship corporately, to have our Sunday school and Wednesday evenings and other ministries back up and running. However, we will only be adding these as we are able to do them safely. It may be a while before we have our fellowship meal on Wednesday night. It, I don't know. I don't have a date in mind. I don't want to throw a date out there, but we're not going to do it until we can do it safely. 
when we reopen the doors of our church, we will begin again with a worship-only strategy. We will introduce our other ministries back into the mix in due time. Again, our concern is for our family members and so that we don't see a resurgence or new spike in the coronavirus from not following safe practices. Please also note that some of these groups may start meeting online or um, through Zoom or off campus in order to practice distancing measures. There's not a quick and easy solution to this, but I guarantee it will look different. Welcome to the new world COVID-19 has created. As of right now, we're not sure how we will navigate things like children's worship, vacation Bible school, youth camp, wild week, or even kids camp. We're in a wait and see mode for some of these decisions concerning these ministries. Can we guarantee their safety? Can we give moms and dads the assurance that their child or their children will be absolutely safe in a room where dozens of children are gathered? I guarantee this will be a top concern for parents of younger children. You know, it's extremely difficult to say what the future will be like or look like in a day when things are changing by the moment. We've never been this way before at least not in my lifetime. So please pray for us. Pray for wisdom for us, for our church leadership, for all pastors and and government leaders in our nation. Folks, these are unprecedented times, and we need people who are like the sons of Issachar in 1 Chronicles 12.32, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. I mean, I was just thinking about all of this. I mean, we may need more volunteers to sanitize our building and facilities in real time while people are in the building. I mean, think about this. If we had 150 or 200 people in our building all at the same time touching door handles, pew backs, faucet knobs, how will we keep up with that? I mean, will this give rise to a new ministry team of volunteers roaming the building, wiping down door handles and other surfaces? Well, I know that many churches, ours included, even provide like self-service coffee. I'm not even sure if that's a good idea anymore. Assuring the safety of all of our members is one of our top priorities. Our greeters ministry will need to look differently. I mean, in a COVID-19 world, they'll need to practice good distancing practices as they say hello and welcome people to our corporate worship. We may need volunteers to serve as check-in facilitators so that our families can be checked in, but so that everyone's not touching the same iPad. This would allow one person to touch the iPad instead of everybody. I just want to say thank you, church family, for all your patience and understanding. These are difficult times for everyone, and our hearts go out to those who are grieving the death of a loved one or a family member. 
I'm going to ask you to please pray for the family and children of Alice Collins in her home going last, this last week. What a great and classy lady. She's now with her Lord Jesus and with her beloved husband, Buck. So pray for her family and children. I ask you also to lift up Dr. Edna Bridges and her husband, Bobby, in these difficult days that they are going through. Pray for them, lift them up. I know that many of our family members are hurting and going through physical difficulties. I'm going to ask if you would, wherever you are, just to pause for a moment. Pause with me for a word of prayer. And please pray with me as I pray. Almighty God and everlasting Father, we thank you for your majesty. We thank you for your holiness, your perfection. You are always more willing to hear us than we are to pray. You have given us everything that we need in this life. You created us. You give us air. You give us food, provisions, and all of the necessities of life. You not only gave us life, but you also give us eternal life through your Son, Jesus Christ. We are truly humbled by your grace and mercy. We lift up our family members who are grieving for their loved ones. Your word says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. We lift up our nation to you. Please push back the darkness, this coronavirus disease. I ask, Father, that you would bring healing to those who are infected. Please, God, spare the lives of men and women from this scourge. God, give us all wisdom to know what you desire us to do. May we draw near with confidence to your throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and grace to help in this time of need. Guide us, Father, as we study your word. May it transform us. May your Holy Spirit teach us as we continue to seek your face. Thank you for the sacrifice of your Son, Jesus, for the forgiveness of our sins, for making us a way when there was no way to be connected to you. Father, we love you so much. We ask all of this in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Now we're going to pick up where we left off last week in the Holy Bible in the book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verses 7 uh, down through verse 11. Let me review for just a little bit here from last week. You know, the author of Hebrews, he tells us to consider Jesus, meaning look intently at Jesus. He's our apostle. He's the apostle, the one sent, and he's also our high priest. He is worthy of more honor and more glory than Moses. Oh, Moses was a faithful servant. 
He was faithful as a servant. But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus is the heir, the one who will inherit all things, the owner, because he is God. Therefore, Jesus is more excellent. He's, he's better than Moses. Read with me, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning in verse 7 and following. God's word says this. It says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. Verse 10, therefore, I was angry with this generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Now the the writer of Hebrews continues by illustrating the point um, with a story from Jewish history that all of his readers knew very well. The story of Israel in the wilderness. He quotes the latter half of Psalm 95, which in its entirety was the call to worship in the Jewish synagogues. It tells about a people who had been redeemed from Egypt by applying the blood of the Passover lamb to their homes. They had been baptized, if you will, into Moses through the cloud that enveloped them and through the Red Sea. They had eaten the heavenly manna and drank water from the rock. Seemingly, they were a, quote, redeemed, unquote, people. Yet, as Paul states in 1 Corinthians 10, 5, he says, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. As he goes on to say, these things happened as examples, so that we would not fall into their same sins. The author of Hebrews uses this story to make the same point. He's warning us against the soul-destroying sin of hardness of heart. Now listen carefully. He's saying, To avoid hardness of heart, we must submit our hearts to God's word and God's ways, especially in times of trial. I mean, these verses can be looked at like like four lessons for us. Let me just break this down for you. If you're taking notes, lesson number one. To avoid hardness of heart, we must submit to God's authority 
through his inspired word. To avoid hardness of heart, we must admit, excuse me, we must submit to God's authority through his inspired word. He begins, notice in verse 7, the writer of Hebrews says this, says, therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says. And then he quotes from Psalm 95. This means what the Bible says, God is saying to us now. The Holy Spirit used human authors, but he is the divine voice behind all scripture. As Peter explains in 2 Peter 1.21, no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. Or as Paul puts it, literally, in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. To learn from God, we must submit to His inspired Word. We should learn from the biblical stories how to avoid the sins of those who lived before us. The starting point is that we hear His voice. Verse 7 says, Today, if you hear His voice, Now, to hear in Hebrew often has the nuance of not just hearing sounds, but also hearing and obeying and listening. Okay, all three of those concepts are wrapped up in the the word Shema, to hear, to listen, and to obey. It's wrapped up in that. In this regard, it's amazing how many Christians never read the Old Testament. They're unfamiliar with the the many stories of triumph and tragedy that are recorded there for our instruction in the faith. You see, God's Word speaks directly to us today. The Word says... Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, the word says there is in the present tense. And then he goes on to say, today, if you hear his voice. This very day, April 22nd, God speaks to us through his word. See, today lends a sense of urgency to this message. It says, don't put off obedience to a a more convenient time. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the time God is speaking to you. Don't ignore Him. You may not get another opportunity. To sum this point up, to avoid hardness of heart, we must Come to God's Word with submissive hearts, ready to obey His will. Lesson number two. 
To avoid hardness of heart, we must make sure that our hearts are in proper relationship to God. Look at verse 8. Verse 8 says, Do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Do not harden your hearts. Verse 10 says, They always go astray in their hearts. Listen. All sin begins in the heart. Jesus taught in Mark 7, verse 21 and 22, He said, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. It all comes from within. We tend to look at the outward man, but God looks on the heart. That's what it says in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. Let me give you an example. We might see a, a man in ministry who preaches God's word. He serves the church selflessly. He seems so kind and caring. And suddenly he falls into adultery and we're shocked. How could this happen? We didn't see that in his heart. We didn't see that he was lusting after women and was not judging his own sin. He was not walking in holiness before God in his thought life. What came out in his behavior stemmed from his heart. Folks, this is one of the most helpful lessons I've learned about my Christian walk. All sin begins in the heart. If you deal with your thought life before God, you stop sin at the root. Our hardness of heart stirs up God's anger and incurs His severe judgment or discipline. I mean, God says that He was angry with this generation in the wilderness when they provoked me as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Verse 11 says, He swore in His wrath. You see, wrath refers to God's settled, passionate opposition to sin. God's not passive when it comes to sin. He's not sitting back and waiting. When it talks about His wrath, it is His settled, passionate opposition to sin. He is against it. He will always be against it. If we profess to be His children, but we have not truly repented of our sins, as was the case with many who perished in the wilderness, God's eternal wrath is upon us. That's what it says in John 3, verse 36. If we are truly His children, 
through faith in Christ, then Jesus bore, he took God's wrath for us on the cross so that we do not need to fear his eternal punishment. But we should fear his discipline, which is never pleasant. Hebrews 12, 6 and 11 talks about that. He disciplines his children in love because he loves us that we may share his holiness. But he can get pretty rough if he has to. If we judge our own hearts, we will avoid God's discipline. It all comes from our thoughts. It comes from within. Sin comes within our heart. So to avoid hardness of heart, we must submit to the authority of God's word. And we must do business with God on the heart level. Talking to him, confessing our sins on the thought level before it ever shows up externally. Moving on. Lesson number three. To avoid hardness of heart, we must recognize and submit to God's ways. God says of Israel in the wilderness, they did not know my ways, verse 10. He says in Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, he says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord's declares the Lord, excuse me, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. See, the only way that we can know God's ways are as he has revealed them to us in scripture. We are responsible to learn and submit and to submit to God's ways. <laughs> I mean, come on, folks. We cannot plead ignorance. We cannot protest. But God, I didn't know that you were working in that way. See, these people in the wilderness, they should have, shoulda, coulda, woulda, known God's ways. But since they didn't know his ways, they didn't submit to them. The time to learn God's ways is before we get into a difficult situation. See, if we neglect wisdom when we have opportunity to learn it, we will be overwhelmed when we get into a crisis without it. We don't know what to do. We don't know which way to look because we haven't cultured. We haven't spent time culturing God's wisdom in our life, cultivating it, putting it into practice, learning it, knowing it. See, God's ways sometimes reveal His mighty power. But miracles alone will not change a stubborn heart. See, those who went astray had seen some of the greatest miracles that God has ever done. Can you imagine that? 
they saw the ten plagues in Egypt. Oh my goodness! How could you not understand and know God through those? They witnessed the Red Sea part for them and then close up again on Pharaoh's army. Wow, what a miracle. Amazing, awesome stuff. They had seen God provide water and manna already. They had eaten and tasted even in the barren Sinai desert. They they saw God's provision. And God emphasizes that for 40 years they saw his works. That's what it says in verse 9. And they saw my works for 40 years. If miracles alone could soften hard hearts, these people should have been most mighty in the faith. But listen, they weren't. Sometimes you hear people say things like, well, if I just saw a miracle, I'd believe it. If I just saw, if God would just write it in the sky, then I would believe him. Sometimes God does use miracles to bring people to saving faith. But often those words are just a smokescreen. The skeptic is just making an excuse so that he can continue in his sin. You remember the rich man in hell pled with Abraham to send someone to his brothers and warn them so that they would not come to that place of torment. And Abraham replied, he said, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And the rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Just let them see a miracle. But Abraham answered, If they do not listen to Moses and to the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. That story is found in Luke 16, verse 27 and following. See, understand this. God's ways often involve situations of extreme trial for His people. Remember, God's ways are not our ways. He often works in an upside-down sort of way that seems so strange to us. Again, His Word reveals His different ways to us so that we will recognize them when they actually happen to us. Folks, we have have over 20 centuries of seeing God at work since Christ's death and crucifixion and ascension. We've seen 20 centuries of God at work in our world. We can kind of know where he's headed. We can kind of know what's happening because we have seen him at work. We know his ways are not our ways. His word reveals his different ways so that we will actually recognize him when they happen to us. See, the Bible is full of examples about God's ways of dealing with his people. God's ways usually involve bringing his people to the end of themselves. You know, rock bottom, 
so that they know that their trust must be in Him alone. If we don't know His ways, when we're put into the wilderness with no water, or when we are barren with no strength to produce anything for God, we're going to be prone to grumble, just like Israel did. So we must learn to know His ways through His Word. Now, when we are confronted with God's ways, we have the choice of submitting to Him or grumbling and going back to the world. Our attitude of submission and trust in God will lead us into joy, even in the midst of great trials. But an attitude of pride and self-centeredness leads to grumbling where we resist God's ways and turn back to the world. To refuse to submit to God's ways is really to put God to the test. God says in verse 9, He says, Where your fathers tried me by testing me and saw my works for 40 years. At the root of testing God, is the sin of unbelief, which we will examine in more detail next week. When God promises something and we face trials that seem to negate His promise, we again are faced with a choice. Is God faithful to His Word or not? I want to tell you, from my experience From where I sit, from where I stand, God is faithful, period. He's faithful to His Word. He's faithful to His promises. He's faithful to His people. He's faithful to His church. He's faithful to me. He's been so faithful. Listen, if we do not submit to God's ways and trust in His Word, we put Him to the test which is normally not a good thing to do. I mean, there are some rare exceptions. If you read in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, there's some things he tells us to, to test him on. But normally, we are not to test God. So to avoid hardness of heart, we must submit to God's authority through his word. We must make sure that our hearts are properly submitted to him and recognize and submit to His ways of dealing with us. Finally, I would say, lesson four, when we submit to God's Word and to His ways, we enter into, this is beautiful, His rest. Now, we're going to deal with that a little more in chapter 4. But for now, note verse 11. He said, As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. God's oath refers to His settled determination that those 
who rebelled in the wilderness would not enter the land of Canaan. That's found in Numbers 14, verse 21 through 36. When God makes an oath, when God swears in his wrath, we better believe that he means business. There is no rest for the soul that is under God's wrath. He said, as I swore in my wrath, as I made an oath in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And folks, they didn't. God's word is true. He says what he means, and he means what he says. God's rest had an initial reference to Israel's settling into the land of promise. But it also has a spiritual fulfillment, as we'll see in chapter 4. God's rest, when he says entering into his rest, God's rest refers to a place of blessing where there is no more striving, but only relaxation in the presence of God and in the certainty that there is no cause for fear. God's spiritual rest comes to the person who, like it says in Romans 4, verse 5, does not work but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We enter into His rest, His peace, His place of blessing, where there is no more striving, but only relaxation in the presence of Almighty God and the certainty that there is no cause for any fear. I love that. I love that. So as I conclude this, as I bring this plane in for a landing, one of God's ways that is most unlike our ways, is the cross. The cross upon which our Savior died. Jesus, the sinless Son of God, died as the sacrifice for ungodly sinners, you and me. God justifies the ungodly through faith alone. Folks, that runs counter to human pride. We somehow think we can do it on our own. So let me ask you, have you trusted in Jesus' blood alone as your hope for heaven? How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Is your heart in submission to God's word and his ways, especially when those ways involve a trip through the barren wilderness, a trip through COVID-19, 
See, your heart is either hardening against God because you are resisting his sovereign ways with you, or it's growing softer toward God because you are submitting to his word and to his ways. Your response to those trials reveals your heart. Send down spiritual roots deep into the fertile, moist soil of God's word so that you can endure when the hot sun of affliction beats down on you. It's significant that when Paul wrote his final letter to Timothy, (laughs) I love this, he didn't report on how many people he had won to Christ or how many churches he had planted. He didn't boast on how many evangelistic campaigns he had conducted or missionary trips he had been on. He simply said in 2 Timothy 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. He fought and he finished and he endured. If you want to join his ranks, then take time often to consider Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. Next week, we will continue our study in Hebrews. We're going to be in chapter 3 again, verse 12 through 19. And until then, I just want you to stay safe, stay studied, stay fed and exercised. And whatever you do, give God the glory. Do His name. God bless you.